Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to proper grammar, which is why I cringe when people say platypie instead of platypuses. The person cringing is your host, Jack. That's me. And if it wasn't super obvious, this episode is about platypuses. Yes, we are jumping immediately into it. Literally no lead up. (laughs) If it's too fast for you guys, I guess you can pause for like 15 seconds, take a breather, do it now. Okay, welcome back. Today, we're talking about platypuses. (laughs) Which, by the way, I have never seen in person, so therefore are most likely not actually real. So please consider the remainder of this episode to be purely hypothetical, pending evidence. Going back to my inflammatory comment about platypuses rather than platypi, platypi is a colloquial form of platypus, known as pseudo-Latin, where Latin grammar rules are applied to non-Latin-based words. A prime example of this would be octopus. Octopi is considered grammatically incorrect, but regardless, it's heard quite often. Both platypus and octopus are actually Greek in origin, not Latin. So if you wanted to be like ultra hyper correct, you could say platypodes or octopodes, but it sounds a little less dumb to say octopuses or platypuses. But realistically, no matter what you say, someone will probably shit on you for it. Best to avoid saying them altogether. Hopefully that's easier for you guys. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me. Unfortunately, phrases like platypus and Greek origin word and pseudo-Latin come up very regularly in my day-to-day life. And it's not always my fault. (laughs) Continuing along this thread though, if you guys were curious, a group of platypuses is called a paddle, a paddle of platypuses. However, if your principles prevent you from using such snotty exclusionary terms of venery, then I would be so happy to get into an unproductive internet fight with you. So now that I'm done talking about the linguistics of platypuses, let's talk about the interesting shit. Namely, what the hell even is a platypus? sake, I am not done talking about the linguistics because not even its names can agree on what it is. The common name platypus is just a romanized version of the Greek name, which means flat-footed. Because according to the Greeks, that is the most notable thing about the platypus. (laughs) The scientific name, Ornithorhynchus anatinus, I think, (laughs) translates to bird snout duck-like, which I think gets us a little bit closer to the important part. So to answer the question of what the hell is a platypus, the only reasonable answer is that it is an abomination worthy of our fear and respect. It has the body of an otter, the bill of a duck, the tail of a beaver, and is somehow considered a mammal despite laying eggs. And no, we are not at the weird stuff yet. I did not get to the punch too quickly, or maybe I did because this episode is actually just going to be a whole series of punches. So that is number one. Honestly, the classification as a mammal is really sketchy to me. It feels like the platypus got offended by that classification and did everything in its power to buck against it, which is petty, but I can get behind it. So let me go ahead and provide a basic description. I know you guys most likely know what a platypus looks like, but I'm pretty confident I'll be surprising you guys anyways. Unless someone listening is a platypus expert, if you are, please message me, I have concerns. So when first discovered, the platypus was described as an amphibious mole, and even though it doesn't really look like a mole, it's realistically the closest thing. So it's covered in brown fur that's super dense and waterproof, and it traps air to keep it warm. And it has this weird stocky tail that it uses for fat reserves and webbed feet used for swimming. But when it's on land, it walks on its knuckles like a gorilla to avoid damaging the webbing between its fingers. 
Yet another thing that weirds me out about it though, I looked up a video of platypuses walking on its knuckles, and I might be wrong here, <laughs> grain of salt, but it doesn't look like it walks on the same knuckles that a gorilla or like a human would. It looks like it walks on the ones just below your fingertips. <laughs> like, not like the ones where you like you throw a punch on, like the ones above that. <laughs> Google says it's called the middle phalange. <laughs> it just, it just has to be so different and quirky, <laughs> but it looks so uncomfortable to walk like that. I genuinely think it's doing it just to be different. <laughs> Additionally, their legs are structured weird. You know how most mammals have legs that protrude from underneath their body? Like, think about a horse. Legs go down. Super normal. Now, think about reptiles, like a lizard. Legs protrude from their sides, and their belly scrapes against the ground. Can you guess why I'm bringing this up? Did you guess that it's because platypuses are fucking weird and have the reptilian leg structure? You are so smart. That is exactly right. Hey, speaking of platypus feet, that's not all that's weird. <laughs> They also have spurs on their ankles, like a cowboy. It looks like a spike or like a single sharp claw. And to make it extra dangerous, the males can use it to deliver venom. That's right, platypuses are a venomous mammal. And that's not completely unheard of, but it's super fucking rare. I can only find like three animals or 23 individual species. But fortunately, if you get injected by a platypus, you won't die. You'll just suffer in acutely excruciating pain for so long that you'll wish you died. And no, it doesn't respond to morphine, by the way. And it also causes hypersensitivity to pain in the area of the wound for up to months afterwards as like an extra fuck you. <laughs> Researchers are still delving into platypus venom as it's not completely understood yet. What we do know is that around the injection site, aside from immediate acute pain, the area will begin to swell with fluid. You may also begin suffering from nausea, cold sweats, muscle atrophy, and most likely an existential crisis. Researchers are also obviously interested in what makes the venom so painful, and of course, why is it resistant to morphine? What they've discovered so far is that a protein in the venom drops the victim's blood pressure, and another resembles a neurotoxin, and there are 83 genes that potentially create toxins resembling those made by spiders, reptiles, sea anemones. <laughs> you know, the things that are like supposed to be venomous, unlike platypuses. And by the way, considering we don't have an anti-venom, you just gotta sit there and take it, <laughs> hating life. But there is a silver lining. Somehow, platypus venom could offer a new path for the treatment of type two diabetes, which was a really unexpected sentence. <laughs> the venom contains a hormone called GLP-1, or glucagon-like peptide 1. The hormone promotes insulin release, which lowers blood glucose levels. The version found in platypuses is longer lasting than the version found in humans, so scientists are trying to see if we could turn the venom into a viable drug to help people, which is awesome, but I still don't trust platypuses. All right. Let's see, what else can I find about platypuses refusing to be mammals? Okay, here we go. They have a lower body temperature than other placental mammals by nine degrees Fahrenheit. Their body temperature is 90 degrees, which doesn't sound like a huge difference, but if your human body temperature goes down to 95, you get hypothermia. If you reach 92, you're at the point where it's very, very life-threatening and they're at 90. Like, what are you doing? It's just weird. And they have a different jaw opening muscle. Oh, and their ear opening is at the base of their jaw rather than like 
an ear-like position. <laughs> oh, and I guess there's the, the duck bill. <laughs> and they have extra bones in their shoulder girdle, which are not found in any other mammal. And they have double cones in their eyeballs. Very unusual for mammals. Usually seen in, like, birds and reptiles and hagfish. <laughs> oh, and they have electroreception. Platypuses, echidnas, and weirdly, the Guyana dolphin are the only mammals in the world capable of electroreception, which is the ability to detect the electrical fields generated by animals' muscles contracting. They use that ability while diving for prey, so they actually close their eyes and their ears when they dive and rely 100% on the electroreceptors. Sharks are well known for that ability, but sharks are fish, not mammals. A platypus is a mammal. Maybe. <laughs> To be completely honest, platypuses and echidnas fall under the order of monotremes, which is the subject of hot debate in the taxonomy world. If anybody wants to give me the tea on that, please do it. Please, please, please do it. <laughs> Alright, what else is unusual? Oh, oh, of course! The eggs! The eggs laid by this mammal. The mammalian eggs! <laughs> so, let me start from the beginning. Can't jump right into it, gotta do the foreplay. Like many mammals, Breeding season is a competitive time for the males. They'll actually begin producing more venom and use it to attack rival males while competing for territories. And of course, the right to mate with the females in those territories. Coincidentally, this is absolutely the worst time to approach a wild platypus because your odds of being attacked with super venom is substantially higher. <laughs> while males compete actively, females are much more tolerant. It's believed that females assume that whichever male is in their territory is the biggest, baddest boy around, so they'll happily accept any male presented to them. Fortunately, platypuses are one of the animals that understand consent, and they have a courtship ritual that can last up to six weeks, which mostly resembles two teenagers in like a high school movie just dating. <laughs> so the male approaches the female and starts biting her tail. Whatever. <laughs> She then says she's not like other girls who give it up on the first date, and she runs away. Meanwhile, they'll hang out at the same pond together, eating meals, casually dating, but definitely no sex. Until eventually, the male convinces the female that he's not like other guys who only want one thing. When he bites her tail again, signaling that he wants the one thing, <laughs> she responds by biting his tail back, which is sexy, I guess. <laughs> Then they go swimming. They swim in circles around each other, they make out a bit, and then it's time for the sex. The sex itself isn't unusual. The male partially climbs onto the female's back, he extends his penis out from his cloaca, inserts his penis into her cloaca, everything takes about 10 minutes, and then having gotten exactly what he wanted, the male knuckle walks away to find the next lady to mess around with while the female remains loyal, not mating again with anyone else during this breeding season, presumably pining after him like Fontaine singing about her fuckboy in Le Mis, but with a much less tragic ending. She doesn't die with her hair cut off, her teeth pulled out, suffering from tuberculosis, except for the tooth part. Adult platypuses actually lose their teeth and then never get them back. So the female has two ovaries, but only one of them works, always the left. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that might sound familiar, and that's because I brought this up in the episode about kiwi birds. Because kiwi birds and platypuses have something in common, which we're gonna pretend makes sense. <laughs> Although it might help explain why platypuses lay eggs, or why their chromosomes are so weird compared to most mammals. So let me break that down for you. The majority of humans, 
follow the XY biological sex determination system, as do mammals as a whole, generally speaking. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule, such as XX males, XY gonadal dysgenesis, Turner's exogenetic variation, the Klinefelter's XXY variation, it goes on. I'm not going to go in depth about that here in case you guys are interested in like a, a human series for this podcast. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But generally speaking, in mammals, XX denotes a homogamatic sex, biologically female, and XY denotes a heterogamatic sex, so biologically male. The platypus is not interested in that normie shit and has chosen to adopt a fusion of the mammalian XY and the like bird and reptile ZW sex determination systems, which is super weird because the main difference between the two systems is that the XX denoting biological female is in direct contrast to the ZW system where the homogametic sex ZZ denotes biologically male and the heterogametic sex ZW denotes biologically female, so complete opposite. The other big difference is that in the XY sex determination, the sperm determines the sex, whereas in the ZW, the ovum determines sex. So if a man is pulling a Henry VIII and is getting upset about his wife not providing him with a male heir, it is not her fault. It is the sperm's fault, assuming you're human. Which, by the way, the platypus is not. Back to the platypus. One of the platypus's five X chromosomes possesses the DMRT1 gene, which is significant because it's something that birds possess on their Z chromosome. So the platypus egg has bird characteristics, as well as reptilian characteristics. Their eggs are also leathery like a snake's. But wait, there's more! The egg undergoes different zygomatic development. Basically, most mammalian zygotes undergo the typical cell division, where one cell will divide into two equally sized cells, and then into four equally sized cells, and then eight, and so on. Everything that we've seen like in basic biology classes. So that form of cell division is called holoblastic cleavage. Platypus zygotes undergo meroblastic cleavage, where the embryo forms a disc of cells on top of the egg yolk, and they don't divide completely, so it kind of ends up looking like a, a beach ball with a bunch of rubber bouncy balls glued to it. It's okay if that didn't make sense. I'll upload a graphic to the Instagram, so it hopefully makes a little more sense. Moving on though to the less intricate stuff. The eggs will develop in utero for about 28 days, after which she will lay the egg just like a chicken. After it's been laid, she'll incubate it like a chicken for a further 10 days. And then after the eggs hatch, she does the purely mammalian thing by providing nutritious milk to her young. Except, let's make it weird again, because it's a fucking platypus. She doesn't have any nipples. No teats for the babies to latch onto. But she obviously still needs a delivery method for the milk. And since suckling isn't an option for her babies, she figured out a solid plan. She sweats the milk. And her babies lick up her milk sweat. Like, that's how they're raised. Imagine your social ineptitude if you grew up licking your mom's sweat. You'd be bullied into oblivion. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention about this bullshit chimera of an animal? Where it can be found, so you know how to avoid it. And you can find it in the only place in the world where animals like this live. Fucking Australia. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed learning. If you did, you should consider leaving a review on iTunes. If you really enjoyed it, you should consider subscribing to our Patreon. It helps a lot. Don't forget to tune in next week for more trauma. Bye.